Today is November 1st. Welcome to Native Calgarian. Oki, Naganago, Mekoche, Chestakom, Aki. My name is Michelle Robinson. My spirit name is Red Thunder Woman. I uh, use she and her pronouns. Native or Calgarian is being recorded on the lands of the uh, Nitsitipi, which is the Blackfoot Confederacy. The Blackfoot south of the opposed US Canadian border are the Blackfeet. North of the border are Siksika, Ghana, and Bogani of the Confederacy. These lands were uh, signed September 22nd, 1877 under Treaty 7, uh, with signatures that include the Blackfoot Confederacy, the Wesley Chiniki Bearspaw Nations of the Stony Nations, and the Dene from Sutina. I acknowledge all First Nation, Métis, Inuit, status and non-status across Turtle Island as the keepers of these lands. All non-Indigenous are treaty partners with the government signing on your behalf. I honour the Blackfoot as the elders and members have been so kind to me on my Red Road journey. Elder Red Crane taught me how to pronounce my spirit name. I was born in Calgary or in Blackfoot Mokinstis as Michelle Elliott, a very English name which has afforded me privilege in an English colonial world. My mother is Northern Slavey Dene or Satu Dene, but my Indian Act imposed status card by the Canadian government says Yellow Knives Dene. My father is so Canadian. I'm a daughter of the Mayflower and a daughter of the American Revolution while having an Indian Act imposed status card. My Dene lineage roots me in the land of the Hare people, also called the Great Bear Lake people in Treaty 11. I'm a native to Turtle Island, and my Dene nation is a visitor to this area of Clincho Tine in Dehay, meaning many horse town named after the Calgary Stampede. Land acknowledgements are critical for creating a safer uh, space for Indigenous, as well as honoring the host as a guest and acknowledging our roles as treaty partners. My humblest apologies to the Blackfoot elders and language keepers as I try to learn proper pronunciation. Any mistakes or misinterpretations will be on me. I acknowledge question or I encourage questions so that misunderstandings can be cleared up as soon as possible. I do not speak on behalf of all Indigenous. I just share what I know as I walk the red road and decolonize in my way. My Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. For those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or questions. Also, giving a positive review helps in whatever medium you're listening from. I have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgarian.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. Today, I'm really lucky to have a friend that I just met on Twitter, actually, and he's just a super cool cat. So, Shane, would you like to introduce yourself in your way? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, uh, I'm a hihlu, uh, willowai, willowai, um, my traditional name is Willow. My English name is Shane. I am a member of Wilkwinanit uh, or the House of Wunanit, which is part of the Lakabu or Wolf Clan. And that is part of uh, I'm uh, Gixan, which is a, a first, no first nation located on, on the sort of coastal area of what is known as what is called uh, British Columbia. Um, on my uh, mother's side, um, my mother is Knox Joss, and she is one of the matriarchs in our uh, Wilp. Um, her mother uh, was um, the late Mercy Loring, or um, uh, the late Gwinnanit, who was one of our hereditary chiefs of uh, Wilp Gwinnanit. 
Um, her father was um, Arthur Loring, who was a settler um, of mixed European descent. And uh, on my father's side, <clears throat> I have um, roots back to Red River and Tosh and Duck Lake, um, but it's still something that I am um, still learning. Um, so as, as of this point, I don't uh, necessarily identify as Métis, um, but uh, my family, um, my father's mother was Dorothy Montour and her great-grandfather would have been Abraham Montour Jr. And her great-grandfather would have been um, Abraham Montour Sr., who was one of uh, Gabriel Dumont's uh, allies. Um, but like I said, I'm still just learning. Um, I am um, uh, calling you and talking with you today on the territories of the Lekwungen, speaking people, the Esquimalt and the Songhees First Nations and uh, also known as Victoria on Vancouver Island in uh, British Columbia. Mm. Wow, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that introduction and explaining where you're coming from. I, I think it's so wonderful when people, you know, unravel their history and learn all these things. But in your case, you know, growing up there and knowing your people, it, it, I, it's just wonderful. I know Angela Sturrett, she's a mm. reporter and I, I respect so much what she has to say. So you obviously come from the same community. So that's super cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, today I was resharing your pin post on Twitter. Uh, it's a small, uh, short video talking about different things. Would you like to tell people what it's about? Yeah, um, I, I kind of come at things um, from a bit of a different angle. Um, about halfway through my life, uh, when I was about 25 years old, I was involved in a, in a very serious accident, um, which left me uh, legally blind and um, with a pretty severe uh, traumatic brain injury. Mm -hmm. And sort of since then, um, a, a little bit of my sight has come back, but I'm still, uh, you know, what's considered um, legally blind. So I have um, less than 10% overall vision. Um, and um, one of the things um, that happened, um, this was in, in 2003. And at the time, I, I really struggled with, uh, with addictions and, and alcoholism. Um, after my accident, um, I was in the hospital for, um, for quite a while, um, I believe six weeks, um, and I was in a, um, put in a medically induced, uh, coma and, um, and so it was pretty serious. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to, to have my family and, um, you know, my friends around me, I had people uh, come from, from all over the place. And in my heart to this day, I, I still believe that that is the reason why I was uh, able to make it out and uh, get through that, that traumatic event. Um, and so um, I, uh, following the accident, I had to adjust to become, uh, to be blind all of a sudden. Um, sure which was a, a very difficult thing. I was a graphic designer at the time. Um, I was actually mm -hmm. going to school to do, uh, to be a graphic designer. So I, I used uh, different types of, um, of uh, software, like uh, <clears throat> web-based software, like Dreamweaver and Illustrator and Adobe Photoshop, things like that. Wow. And I also played rugby and um, I'm not sure if there's much 
rugby out in Calgary, but um, you know what? I would do a disservice if I didn't say yes because there would be a. Few, I had an ex boyfriend once upon a time, and he played yeah. for James Fowler uh, Rams or something. So you know, okay. this, I I would be doing a disservice if I said oh, I don't think so. But my husband, <laughs> my current my my husband, he currently loves uh, not not just rugby but also like actual football from mm. you know Europe, what uh, everyone here calls soccer. So he's, yeah, he's pretty big on all of that too so <laughs> yeah and, and one of the things about rugby is there's there's a there's a social side of it you know mm -hmm. the the boys as they as they're called um you know but there's also um sometimes a lot of alcohol and um kind of coming from a crazy sort of high school days of you know when you're kind of um, just doing whatever I transitioned into a life of, of, you know, kind of the same idea, um, you know, party hard, play hard kind of, kind of thing. And, um, and so I, I had to go through a massive, massive change and, um, you know, and I, and I kind of remembered this point, um, after my recovery and, and this was, this was, um, you know, once I had got out of critical condition and I noticed that you know the, the the visits started to get fewer and far between you know mm -hmm. I, I I'd done a lot of speaking with with youth and and I and I and I used to say that uh, everyone's your best friend when you're almost dead <laughs> and I, I know that sounds really harsh um but that those feelings those sentiments of sort of when you're out of the the red zone you know people have to go back and 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 do their lives they have to work they have children they have sure. families they have you know um and so i would say the next um the next year was a really difficult time for me um i actually had to move home with my um with my with my parents and i stayed with them for a few months and um you know, but we were, we were also eager to, um, to try to get me going again. And so once, um, you know, once I was kind of out of, um, you know, all of the traumas of things, I, I <clears throat> moved back um, into a, a place on my own and, and we decided to get a, a place closer to my, to my parents. And for those first two years, I really just had to dedicate myself to my healing and I, and I had to address, um, you know, the addictions and mental health issues that I was, that I was struggling with, um, you know, prior to my accident. And, um, I started receiving some support at, uh, a local brain injury society here in Victoria. Um, I also started to receive some supports through the Victoria Native Friendship Center. And, um, and I, and I ultimately went to, um, you know, to treatment and um, really just started re-engaging with my culture. I, I, when I look back upon my life, as I kind of got into my young adult years after high school, I really started to, you know, disconnect from my culture. And, and when I think of my culture, I think of my family. Um, you know, I, 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 I disconnected from them. I, I would, wasn't so eager to get home every year, you know, every year we go home and do fish and, you know, it's just a time to be with your family and, you know, and I wasn't, I remember I wasn't eager about those things anymore. And, you know, I was more focused on the uh, social or, or party side of life, you know? So I'd say for those first two years, I really just focused on, on reconnecting with those things that were important to me. So I, I got an opportunity to start um, going to um, Indigenous youth conferences. 
and um, and I got a chance to spend with some elders and some medicine people. And up until that point, I hadn't had a lot of um, experience with that part of my culture, you know, anything to do with healing or, or ceremonies. Um, I hadn't really had that opportunity yet. And so when it was was given to me, I, I, I you know, I was I was thrilled. And, and I just started to kind of embrace, um, you know, these these teachings and, and insights that were you know, that were shared with me. And um, this one Stolo elder in particular, um, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget her because she, you know, it was almost like she knew things before I knew them. And I remember um, one year I saw her at a conference and I, I hadn't quit, um, you know, using and drinking at that point. But the next time that I saw her, I had, and before I even like said a word to her, she just like raised her hands to me and just like gave me this biggest hug and and told me that she knew, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it was incredible. And 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 you know, I think one of the things that you know that I was given um, with my time with um, with with her was was she saw something in me. And she saw how I related to some of the other young Indigenous um, people at these conferences, and she wanted to nurture that. And so she actually asked if I would be interested in ever working with our youth. She said they they're they're really drawn to me, and and maybe that might be something that I that I look into. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful. There's nothing better than more, um, you know, folks that are. Our, our inspiration to our kids to be exposed to them. And I'm so grateful that you've decided to do that because I think that's mm -hmm. most important. Honestly, nothing matters more to me than the next generation, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and what experiences that they have. And I wanna see them not just mm -hmm. survive, thrive in yeah. you know, the upcoming generations and, and the upcoming decades. And I think that, uh, you know, we. I, I don't know what the right answers there are. Like I, I graduated high school in 94. Um, 97 is the last Indian residential school that I know closed. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I, and I was lucky enough not to have to go through that system, but that doesn't mean, um, you know, and it, there was, it was so much work for me to even have status. Uh, there were so many women that did that work to make sure women like myself got status. And then uh, mm -hmm. my auntie, she's a lawyer. She worked really hard for me to get my status and my mom um, after she had married my father. So, you know, there's so, so much, um, you know, that the older generations have done for our youth. And I don't mm -hmm. know what it looks like for the next generations, but I know it took me a long time to reclaim my identity. And mm -hmm. I think that folks like yourself, what not you're so inspirational to the youth. So I hope that that continues, and I hope that uh, other youth get to hear from you because it, to me, that's the most important thing is that our youth know that there's so much out there, and that you know there's some great people that want to help them as they navigate life. Is the best way to pay, say it, I guess. Yeah, and 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 it was one of those things where it kind of just took off, and you know, the next thing you know, I was I was kind of doing facilitating these these sort of sharing circles with with youth, and it was basically just an opportunity that I would kind of, as we've done here today, I would share my experience 
of the, you know, um, you know, kind of engaging in risky behavior, ending up having an accident, and then kind of finding a lot of uh, strength in my culture and kind of using that as a jumping off point to start talking about things like identity to talk about, you know, um, disconnection that youth may be feeling, um, you know, not knowing what it means to be who they are, um, you know, all of these things, right, it was just this, this space that we would create. And most often we would ask an elder to be, I would always ask for an elder to come just in case there was any sort of things that, that you know, might've gotten away on us that we had that sort of direction, you know, sure. and that, uh, you know, that sort of gentle hand, let's say. Yeah. And, um, and it was almost, it was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. You know, I traveled all across Canada to, you know, as far as way as uh, Mississippi and Shibugamu and Quebec, and Ooh. you know all over yeah all over british columbia all over alberta i did some of the athabasca tribal council uh the samson cree uh, montana like a lot of the nations in alberta and british columbia mm -hmm. and and it was great and um but i think at the time i didn't necessarily know how to care for myself while i was engaging in this type of work and this this helping so to speak and after a bit of time it got to a place where i was actually starting to um get ill again and um i started to develop more seizures i started to feel depressed um, whenever i would travel it was taking me longer and longer to to kind of get back to baseline um, and so I finally had to make the choice, you know, I, 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 <clears throat> I also lost um, my grandmother and um, I had about three losses in within the span of a year and a half. My, my, um, my granny, um, um, the late Mercy Loring or Gwyneth, um, my uncle uh, Arthur, uh, his name was Gutsagen, and uh, my best friend actually completed um, suicide. Mm. And that was all within uh, a year and a half. And I just remember saying, like, I can't, can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, I really need to, to step back from this. And I really need to get back to basics again, you know? Yeah. Oh, 100%. You know, it's interesting. I, we talk about um, healing and, and going through these journeys. And even for myself, I'm not going to lie, the pandemic, it's just like it, all of the work that I had done up to this moment you know, just kick that cement into a million pieces and we have to start all over and put pieces together. And here you're talking about a major brain injury and losing your vision. These are one of our five main senses, um, let alone your your brain um, capacity of what it could take. Like I, I have the deepest respect for what you've been going through. Um, you know, I'm a pro cannabis, pro CBD person. I was wondering, have you ever uh, utilized that as uh, part of your like seizure met measurement or uh, regiment? Sorry. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? And I only bring it up because I respect that you're going through recovery. Uh, my mm -hmm. my my family, we don't drink alcohol, but um, we see the purpose and medicinal reasons here and there if you're sick. But you know, for the most part, we just avoid it now uh, for actually mm -hmm. kind of for the same reasons you said when we were younger, you know, we grew up in a small town, the Sylvan Lake, we were just drinking all the time, um, you mm -hmm. know, 
doing dumb stuff. So we just don't drink that much. And it, it well, it's expensive and it makes you feel bad too. So that's a whole other conversation. But you um, you know, so I yeah. think that there's a, a real conversation to have about how CBD or cannabis can be utilized for folks in recovery. Um, I'm a big mm -hmm. proponent of harm reduction too. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of the Western medicines are not just ineffective for our people, but um, create more harm and problems too. So mm -hmm. you know, I'd love for you to expand on anything yeah, absolutely. you said there that you'd like to talk about. Well, you know, and, and that actually kind of leads really into things because I, I feel like, you know, um, following my accident and once I kind of started touring around and really engaging with our communities, I also started to really kind of work on some of the traumas that I experienced. But up until that point, I, I you know, I had some interaction with some of our elders but, you know, um, I was mainly getting my support and sort of talk therapy through, um, you know, through the, the, the medical system. And I just remembered, you know, I just remembered feeling this like, like, wow, I'm just keep doing this and keep doing this and keep talking about it and keep talking about it. And, and, and then I was talking about it in the work that I was doing. And I just remember... I kind of got to a place where I was like, this isn't working. This doesn't feel like it's, it's, it's working for me. And, you know, I also, um, you know, um, in the first year or year and a half, um, I, I struggled with uh, pharmaceuticals. And so initially I had um, totally um, refused to take any medications, but then the, the, the type of pain um, and seizures and um, just, plain trauma from from an accident that I'd been involved in um, that I, I just basically went from taking no medications to basically taking whatever would be given to me. And um, I actually got really, um, I, I really addicted to um, Oxycontin. And, and this was coming out at a time where there's this, you know, um, Oxycontin was a new drug, um, you know, it was supposed to be a little bit you know, safer, they said. <laughs> um, but it didn't turn out that way. It, 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 you know, it really, I would say, like, in the only way I can describe is those things is like, it, it takes, it takes your soul. Sure. <laughs> you know, and, and so just once I started to get some help, and, and, you know, I started to seek out some treatment, you know, I started to look into cannabis. And um, at the time, Canada was just beginning to roll out a medical marijuana plant um, plan. And I was actually one of the first um, 2000 people in Canada that actually got approval for using cannabis, um, you know, as a medicine, so to speak. Um, it was very early then, and you really had to, you know, the one thing that, that I learned about it is everything was trial and error, that the science or, you know, um, the directions on how to use cannabis, you were kind of left to your own devices, I could say. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like where we are now, we have a much bigger understanding of, of, you know, like we understand THC is sort of the psychoactive. We have, you know, CBD where, you know, you're going to have some anti-inflammatory um, properties to it, um, but not psychoactive. So, you know, mm -hmm. I've actually been, um, I've, I've basically gone from a person who would like take any prescription that, that was given to me yeah. um, to deciding that I needed to start caring for myself better 
you know, mm. instead of turning to an antidepressant when I was sad or, you know, uh, at a van when I'm feeling anxious, I needed to start proactively, you know, um, developing a toolkit to deal with these things. And, and one of those things was cannabis. Um, you know, one of the things is also exercise, you know, mm. healthy eating, good sleep. Like yeah. I, I, I remind myself to keep things simple. Um, I think sometimes we can, we can really complicate things and you know when when times may be tough like it like it has been for you know covid if i keep things simple and eat good food and drink lots of water and make sure i get out for a walk um you know i, I seem to do well <laughs> you know yeah it's totally fair and so i just recently moved to a new place and the coolies that they have here are ridiculous we have deer coming into the city all the time i just moved to leftbridge and some people call it cold banks and that, that's what the blackfoot call it too right um so i i just love this area for for the walking and it, i i was in uh forest lawn greater forest lawn area for calgary and it wasn't safe to walk then um for indigenous women anyway or for indigenous in general yeah. so <laughs> yeah anyway um so i i have a treadmill and moving it was the worst experience ever I highly recommend never ever doing that again to anyone but obviously I love walking and um, mm -hmm. so I can like check TikTok while it while on it while, or uh, watch TV while on it so I love my treadmill but um, mm -hmm. it, it's a huge part of my happiness or sadness too uh, for, for the same reason and you know always have a water bottle with me everywhere I go mm -hmm. um, I do have a habit of coca-cola I wish I could get rid of that black dragon I tell you but you know I'm I sipping don't... on coffee yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually you know what that was something that I realized that uh, was really causing anxiety so I had to uh, mm -hmm. change my coffee system and limit it to two uh, cups a day in the morning. And if it was like past, yeah. I, I give myself two at two o'clock, like I can't have another cup or I can't reheat what I didn't drink or whatever. So, cause I just find it helps or it's, uh, it triggers my anxiety. And mm -hmm. uh, so that's another thing anyway. Uh, and anyway, yeah, I'm really glad that you brought all of that up. Um, one of the things that I have with me all the time um, it's actually like so naloxone kits are are free for uh non-indigenous or indigenous to pick up anywhere in alberta mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. only status can get the narcans and um okay. i carry like i get mine every day so you're allowed to get one a day and um i give them away to people who are you know either homeless and asking for change oh. I, I offer that but also here like we have sage patrol here in westbridge we have bear clan in calgary <clears throat> And then we have white organizations kind of doing the same type of thing only. So yeah. it, I, I always have places to donate my Narcan to or or give it away to people who need it because, um, yeah, unfortunately, those opioids have just, they ravaged yeah. our area. So, um, and yeah. like you said, good intentions at first, but now here yeah. we are where we have so many folks in addiction and, you know, you're so um, courageous and brave to be like, okay, so here's some traumas, here's some things I need to start dealing with. but we're not all there yet right and mm -hmm. i don't i don't mm -hmm. blame people for not wanting to unpack that um so mm -hmm. uh for women like especially indigenous women it's so hard to speak out against you know sexual violence yeah. violence yeah um so of course that leads to everything else anyway anyway i um i really applaud you working with your elders applaud you working with the youth and working on these things and giving people good messages about you know 
you'd be surprised and and laughing actually that's another mm-hmm. thing that i find that um you know i i talk about really serious crap on my podcast so i like to mm-hmm. listen to other people's because they have uh, really funny content sometimes um been mm-hmm. enjoying reservation dogs um cool. right oh it's so yeah. good uh one of the rutherford falls that was really i gotta funny. check that out oh it's so funny i just Okay, die laughing watching it because they have this like you know well-meaning colonizer as the best friend is the woman and then they have this like ceo of the casino and that's yeah. michael gray eyes he's so funny he's like you can't oh, be really cool. friends with white people <laughs> <laughs> so you know between all of that and then and then pauline who's um she's actually from alberta she's from uh mm-hmm. uh Edmonton area there that Samson Cree area um she's like a huge superstar now so I'm so excited mm, that my my kids yeah. my daughter she gets representation we never got yeah. so and that's yeah. huge like positive yeah. representation is so huge so anyway good laughs water exercise all of you know things, and it, it's right? it's one of those things right and it's even even right now like I kind of told you I, I'm going through a bit of a, a health um thing right now just with my back and and it, it I'm reminded it's 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 because I didn't keep those things going right you know exercising you know four or five times a week you know not just walking but actually like you know having some strength training (laughs) some do you know what I mean yeah (laughs) you're sitting at a chair like I'm in I'm in school right now and and I'm 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 at in front of a computer all day like you know um you need to you know counter that you know (laughs) yes so um you know I think that for me one of the things that it comes back to is is really finding that balance right and Mm -hmm. you know and making sure that we're connected you know to our youth and our children you know connected with our elders you know having good supportive healthy people around us so that we can you know that we can support each other you know um especially during um you know COVID it's been um it's been a challenging time, um, you know, like I, I think that especially on Indigenous folks, it's been, you know, back home, we weren't able to do, um, you know, a feast or potlatch for all of the people who have passed away. Yeah. Um, you know, our, our communities are being hit unbelievably hard by it right now. And, and sadly, we're actually losing, you know, some of our language speakers, some of our, you know, some of the, the, the people who, who know our stories. And, you know, and so I think that we need to really be deliberate and in, in how we, we manage and, and, and care for ourselves. Mm, what, what a great message because it's so true and uh mm-hmm. recognizing i'm about to turn 45 like you know if we're getting on the other end of how much time i might have here <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and that's mm-hmm. lucky that's not you know I, I live in alberta we're on the road all the time and my my daughter recently came up to me and she said mom do you realize that we're like how far away is this place and i said oh about two and a half hours and she's like you recognize mom we're the only place that says everything in time and i just started laughing i said i know in alberta that's what happens and i've lost how many friends on the road all the time so <laughs> you know i consider it lucky i've lived in alberta for 45 years and haven't died yet in a car accident <laughs> uh, uh, 
Yeah, no kidding, eh? Yeah. So anyway, I uh, I don't mean to derail. I think um I no. think your message is so solid, and I'm so grateful to have gotten to know you in this podcast, and and hopefully, like your your Twitter is uh, I reshared the pin post about the video, yeah. and I just hope that we can you know see more people be inspired by you by your story and and more people to follow because it like we're here we're everywhere but um i just find that we don't uh you know always amplify the voices mm-hmm. that we need to mm-hmm. so i'm really hoping that uh, we cross paths again in the future now that i know where you are um you know if i ever head out there things are Me too. my life right now with the stupid pandemic but i can't wait uh, until we can cross paths one day i have a good friend that lives out there um and and uh you know, the, 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 actually there's a couple that lives out in Victoria. So I really hope to see them sooner than later. My little niece lives in, when I say little, she's an adult. So I really shouldn't mm-hmm. have said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she lives in Vancouver with my uh, sister-in-law. So, you know, that, yeah. oh, well, actually that's not true. They, she has remarried and, or she's married now and has a, a young man who's a beautiful man. So, you know, I'd love to go out there cool. and it's actually my favorite place in the world to be um yeah when I was young this uh, in Sylvan Lake they had nothing like absolutely nothing unless you were a boy playing hockey so you know your parents had lots of money and you could play hockey it really wasn't anything to do so the sea cadets mm-hmm. um had this like truck or van that came from Penhold and it went around and picked up all the farm kids and took us out to the Red Deer Armories and for summer camps I'd go up to the west coast and um, play in the water and, and learn all these skills. It was wonderful. Like I loved, nice. loved it. So uh, I fell in love with it then. And then my husband and I got into scuba and we, we go diving in Nanaimo. There's uh, cool. two wrecks that they did on purpose under the water there. The yeah, yeah. And the Cape Breton. Oh, my daughter's just old enough to start scuba. So, and then the stupid pandemic hit. So <laughs> now we're broke. I think there's even one on uh, by Sydney. I think they did a they did a, sh- a ship or something or an old plane or or something created a bit of a a reef. So oh. I, I know around the island there's a few diving spots. Oh yes, no, it's the funnest yeah. thing on the planet to do. Like if there was an addiction that I spent way too much money in that I have zero regrets about, it's diving. hundred cool. <laughs> percent. Yeah. Really? <laughs> Okay, but I'd love to get on uh, a canoe. I, my my friends who are older now, you know, who are scuba divers, they do a lot of canoeing. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd like to do that too. But oh, I mean, first we have to survive the pandemic. Second of all, if you're like, get... if you're ever up for like a thrill seek, yeah, um, I went um, with um, my old partner to um, river rafting and we went down the uh, Thompson and Fraser River with a company called Cumsheen and we didn't do the um, like we didn't we didn't um, paddle we just did the power rafting trip but they take you on a ride that's like like literally to the edge of like that you think you're going to survive right but it it is some of the most fun stuff you'll ever have like so scared so scared you're like am I going to survive this? Like I'm blind. What am I not doing on this boat? You know? Right. I got to take my daughter to a kicking horse. Um, we went, they literally call it hell's gate for the same reason, but she's never done it. So I got to get her on one of these rafts and send her down and be on the other side. Like, Hey, you so lived. Much. Isn't that great? So good. <laughs> the first time I put her on the West End uh, roller coaster, 
she came out traumatized. I'm like, oh, good. Just like every other Alberta kid, you get to go through that trauma. Yay, you live. I told them about the deaths after, not beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what a pleasure oh, to get to know you. So yeah, yeah I hope nice that we can cross you. paths in uh, real life I hope one so day. Too. Yeah, and, and like once we all kind of get things together with this stupid pandemic, don't even get me started. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, I'll totally. give a, sh- a shout out to Dr. James McCocus and all the Indigenous health um, leaders that are out there because they prioritized us to get those vaccines. And I know not everybody believes in them, but uh, you know, I was really, I felt like the luckiest kid on the planet that I got my first vaccine because like in Canada, you know, not that many people um, recognize, like we had access to vaccines that the rest of the world didn't. And then as indigenous people, we were higher priority. So I kind of felt like a bit of a queen when I first got my first shot. (laughs) No, I felt the same. I was was pretty surprised, like in a a good way. the way you know, I'm the same. I I I, uh, I took you know both my doses of vaccine, and I got it very early, mm-hmm. and it was reassuring in some ways. You know, it, it felt good to kind of be prioritized, and and you know, so that I felt protected as early as possible. Yeah, and and it was thanks to the advocacy. We have Dr. Esther Tailfeathers here in this area. We have okay. so many great doctors that were doing that advocacy nationally. And I'm so, so grateful for them. So I'm just going to give them a quick shout out because as much as I hate this pandemic, you know, it wasn't like our people didn't step up and and do the right things at the beginning. So that like my granny, she got all of her shots uh, right away. And right now, so my my granny lives in Edmonton, but we kind of hit her up in the bush with my auntie up in Northwest Territories. And then uh, when the explosion happened in the Northwest Territories, my granny was double vaxxed, but now she's down in Edmonton where I, I don't know where safe is at this point, but at least my family, have, they've done everything yeah. they can to try to keep her safe, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you can do. Right? That's all we can do. Yeah, that's so all you can do. That, that's it. Well, it's been yeah. such a pleasure getting to know you, totally. Shane. I'm going to do my exit, but again, don't Let's hesitate do to just you chime in and, you know, add what you'd like, because as a person with, um, you know, a blind disability and a brain injury, if you have resources that I should be promoting, don't hesitate to let me know. And I will. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, pleasure. thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I tell you, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, we'll talk soon. Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks a million, okay. Shane. Okay. I'm really proud that this podcast has given solutions and included cultural safety training or cultural first aid in all of them to create a safer space for Indigenous people of color, those with disabilities, and LGBTQ2 plus to speak. Um, here to help.bc.ca has a wonderful section on what is Indigenous cultural safety and why you should care about it. And thank you to Cheryl Ward, uh, Chelsea Branch, Alicia Fridkin of Here to Help.bc. Uh, .ca for that work that they have done. Their work are the cultural action tools I said in the first hundred podcasts. So please support Indigenous work as part of your reconciliation work and settler understanding. I'm just lucky enough to highlight it and repeat it here. And if you're Native and you read some of these things, you might one, learn more, but two, also feel really validated. That's why I read them. Internalized racism and lateral violence is another form of violence that Indigenous or marginalized folks experience by the structure of oppression imposed on these lands. Uh, RacialEquityTools.org, What is Internalized Racism by Donna Bevins is a good uh, start. 
do's and don'ts for bystander intervention by American Friends Service Committee. Literally, if you just Google these things, you'll find these types of um, links and I'd love to hear from you if you find better ones. Uh, here in Alberta, we have a, an Asian coalition that started this work about ending racism. So they have acttoendracism.ca or you can text at 587-507-3838 for resources on what to do once you've experienced it. Indigenous have been talking about our issues, sharing our traumas in reports, commissions, public hearings, now podcasts, and just so it can be regularly disregarded. No more. Honor our words, honor the treaties, listen to politicians and their policies and platforms. If they don't recognize marginalized people in their budget with gender equity plus, if they're cutting violence prevention programs and services, Indigenous education, uterus health choices, gay straight alliances, or just have a lack of human rights for migrants, immigrants, folks with disabilities, know that your vote to that party or that person is directly going to negatively impact marginalized people. Demand that they implement the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action. The recommendations of the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, the multiple reports about child welfare reform, violence prevention, and now that it's November, which is Domestic Violence Month, there's 231 calls to justice from the National Inquiry on Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women, Girls, and Two-Spirit to implement. Denying these reports is a form of abuse called gaslighting. Our people are experiencing extreme racism in the educational justice and health institutions with multiple reports that say the same thing. Demand change from election platforms and politicians. And if they don't understand colonialism, racism, privilege, oppression, sexism, they literally have zero business running. This should be understood by all parties, local politicians, community organizations, sports clubs, etc. Really great article that uh, I read out loud in episode 62 is Truth Before Truth, How Non-Indigenous Canadians Become Allies. Again, if you were to <laughs> Google that, there's so many new articles that have come out, so I highly recommend them all. If you're experiencing emotional distress after anything we talked about today and want to talk, you can call the First Nation and Inuit Hope for Wellness Helpline at 1-855-242-3310. It's toll-free, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can also text at hopeforwellness.ca. If more related to missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit, you can call 844 413 6649. It's toll free 24 7 crisis support for anyone needing that support. If you're non Indigenous, there's usually functioning 211 lines in your area as well as distress center lines, or you can also call 833 456 4566. And if you're in Alberta and you're a 60 scoop kid, uh, you can actually go to hashtag survivor driven on uh, social media or SSISA. .ca on the webs and get some support there. If you see or experience racism, again, act to end racism. If you are LGBTQ2+, I want to give a shout out to the Trevor Project for multiple different lines, whether it's a trans lifeline, an LGBTQ2+, youth uh, peer support line that you can text, and of course the kids help phone at 1-800- 668-6868 and if you go to lifevoice.ca crisis supports you'll find tons and tons of lgbtq2 plus crisis supports and i want to say that violence is uh, my everyday reality every indigenous generation has faced it 
So I started this podcast to speak freely without interruption, without tone police, without leadership shaming, without gaslighting questions, as many people don't want to hear Indigenous opinions, but sure want to tell us theirs, usually by people who have never experienced what it's like to be Indigenous or and be colonialism, constant surveillance of our people, protests, vigils, and rights microaggressions, people dealing with internalized racism, those who become gatekeepers or survive off the status quo, and people who are so in their trauma they stop people from doing the work and deplete personal resources. Internal and external racism is an everyday reality for Indigenous people. I started this podcast as a boundary to be heard. I also started it for more Indigenous uh, representation. I started it so that uh, my family would know my daily struggles. I started it so that you could hear Indigenous voices in a positive way as Canadian media has purposely excluded us and our voices. Um, there's so many racist tropes about who we are and none of it is true. So I just wanted to have just a regular show so that people could hear and see what's going on. And especially in now um, Lethbridge and Calgary, Alberta, so that people could hear what, what it's actually like to live here as an Indigenous person from my perspective. Again, I don't speak on behalf of all First Nation, Métis, Inuit status and non-status. I just know we're in this together. And I am definitely not a perfect person in any capacity. I don't claim to be. I try to do the best I can but I also do the work. And I really encourage folks who um, are quick to dismiss voices to maybe consider the work that they're doing and what work the voices who are dismissing that aren't doing. Um, just gonna throw that out there because I see so many voices against all of these people right now and I don't understand why. <laughs> We're in solidarity. We're in this together, folks. Uh, I want to say thank you to my ancestors, my granny, my mom of what strength looks like through your example. I want to thank my dad for teaching me to be strong and blunt, my stepmom for showing me what a proud culture is through her Austrian family and teaching me to be a proud Calgarian. It is through her. I am a second generation Calgarian, my daughter being a third. Um, thank you to my husband Darcy for producing and editing the show on top of being my husband, my friend, the father of our child and my support down the road of all of this, he's witnessed decades of racism and sexism. And he was the one who encouraged me to start doing this. To our child who we are blessed to learn from daily, we are honored you chose us. You give me daily accountability to be a better and stronger person. I hope my daughter, my family will be proud in the future of us trying to discuss these present day issues as we walk down this road. It was really fun listening to Shane talking about uh, cannabis because um, I remember when the medical exemption start, first started to happen and the Phoenix tears, all of these things that were happening then, the fight for legalization of cannabis. And now here we are talking about things like microdosing and hope, helping people in a better way, trying to get away from some of these opioids as we struggle in this ridiculous Western uh, system that's been imposed on us. So um, my Patreon account is Native Calgarian where you can pledge and support. Thank you to my previous donors for showing your support. If you value listening or watching and can afford to give, thank you. To those who cannot afford to give, I'd love to hear from you at nativeyyc at gmail.com where you can send in your comments or your questions. I also have a YouTube channel that you can go and subscribe. Go to nativecalgary.com for the latest podcasts and pin posts on social media. And I want to end by giving side eye to those Calgary rabbits. You're lucky I'm not your dish.
my beautiful cousin would respond or you'd be in my dish. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, folks. <laughs>